Hey guys, welcome to the Blue Flag Podcast. This is our second episode, and today we're going to be talking about the Colts and their injuries with uh, uh, Carson Wentz, uh, Quentin Nelson, and their center, and they have another lineman, Eric Fisher. We're going to tackle all those subjects today, but the first subject we're going to be talking about is Jacob Eason, Brett Hundley, and Sam Ellinger, uh, who we think should take that starting role. And uh, what do you think, Preston? All right, so, I mean... I was big on Jacob Eason coming out of the draft. I think Jacob Eason's a great quarterback out of Georgia. Um, I also was really big on Sam Ellinger coming out of the draft. I like both of them as quarterbacks. Um, Frank Reich actually has said with them in training camp thus far, Jacob Eason has been performing really well. And he's even said that Jacob Eason has an elite arm. That is exactly you know what Frank Reich has said about Jacob Eason is that his arm is elite. He's able to get the ball downfield. He's making those big passes, he's, he's got good pocket presence, he's, he's working out of the pocket great. Um, whereas Sam Ellinger is kind of like a different stock quarterback where he doesn't have that elite arm, he has a good arm, he has a great arm, but he's more of a guy who does it on his feet. He, he's gonna move around in the pocket and he's gonna try and make, make something develop and happen with his feet, mm-hmm. rather than Jacob Eason who's gonna use his elite arm, like his elite arm power to get it down the field, making those big passes. Um, they have Brett Hundley, too. Uh, I don't know if Brett Hundley is really going to be much of a factor here. I know with Carson Wentz being out with the surgery he's having happen to his foot, um, this could put him out for anywhere from like four to five weeks into the regular season. And with that being said, this is a huge opportunity for Jacob Beeson to show what he's got. He was drafted out of Georgia and was viewed as a really good quarterback that had a chance to start in the NFL. And obviously, he had Philip Rivers in front of him last year. That was a great learning experience for him to learn off of Philip Rivers. Um, and then they went and got Carson Wentz with the trade to the uh, to the Eagles. And um, Jacob Easton, though, he's going to get to show what he's got here. And but I think he, he should definitely watch out for Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger is going to be making a case to to maybe try and take some of that from him. Sam Ellinger has got a chip on his shoulder, and he's a little bit shorter than Jacob Easton. He doesn't have the height. But he does have the size at 6'1", 225. Mm-hmm. He's got a very stocky build. And pairing that with his running ability and his good arm, um, I think Sam Ellinger could definitely put the pressure on Jacob Eason. This is going to be an amazing quarterback battle to watch pan out through the next three weeks of preseason. Um, so definitely, I mean, if you're, if, you're, if you're wanting some kind of quarterback battle to watch, I would definitely tune into the Colts and what they got going on because this, this is going to get real real quick. Yeah, they're definitely a team that I'm going to be looking uh, for in their first preseason game. Um, I would like Jacob Eason to take that starting role. I kind of like him, SEC uh, quarterback from Georgia. Uh, but uh, I know Sam Ellinger is probably his best competition. I know what Brent Hundley did when he played for the Packers, but I think he's a little bit older and the future is a little bit more brighter for Jacob Eason. Um, but that's not just their only options. They do have options to trade and get other quarterbacks that are backups on other teams that we all have different opinions about who they should go for. Um, my biggest one right now is I think that should, they should re-sign and pick up um, Philip Rivers in free agency. Philip Rivers, to me, is actually really underrated. People didn't really appreciate him and what he did uh, back when he was with the Chargers. Then when he came to the Colts that one year, going 11-5, and five, uh, he had great numbers. He He's actually... If you statistically, if you look at, it, he's actually does better than Ben Roethlisberger normally does. Uh, so he said to ESPN that he's not closing the door. Uh, I think that they should sign him and maybe 
now that Carson Wentz is there, if they still want to rock with him, train him, learn from Phillip Rivers for that one year, and then maybe the next year or the end of that year, if, there's, if they're not winning, then put Wentz back in. But if they're going on a playoff run, let Wentz stay behind, learn some things. They, they're probably not going to win because uh, they do have a lot of injury problems, which we're going to tackle in a little bit. But if you guys had a choice between Phillip Rivers, Nick Foles, a possible trade with the Bears, and getting Minshew, which is another option from the Jags, who would you guys rather have? I'll, start with, I'll go with you, Justin. Uh, I'm saying Nick Foles. I mean, I think he's the best game manager there is. I mean, Gardner Minshew, he's got his games where he's just not a good quarterback. Like, he makes a lot of mistakes, um, but he also does have that, like, I don't want to say X factor because he's not that type of quarterback, but he has the ability to, like, elevate in the situation when it's needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nick Foles, I feel like, is a more consistent, more reliable quarterback. I mean, he had that playoff on Philly. Everybody knows that one. Um, but even when he was playing, he was he didn't really make a lot of mistakes. For his whole career, he's kind of a guy who minimizes mistakes. And I feel like for uh, the Colts right now, that's kind of the guy they need because they have a great running back, uh, three great running backs, actually. Yeah. And then three pretty good young receivers who can look to elevate themselves with a decent quarterback. So. Yeah, so who would you pick, Preston? Um, I mean, honestly, I think this is probably the best problem to have for the Colts is that you have this wide variety of quarterbacks to choose from between the three guys that they already have in there now and Carson Wentz. But if I'm going to choose between any of those options for them to go after, I would push really hard for them to just re-sign Phillip Rivers. I think Phillip Rivers is the guy. I mean, I like Nick Foles. I like Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew is young. And if they did bring him in and he did do good, I mean, that's a guy that they could keep for years down the road, you know. I like the way Gardner Minshew plays. He's very aggressive. Um, he was a low-key quarterback. Nobody really thought about and then just popped off with the Jags. Did pretty good. Um, Nick Foles, like you said, he's had his times. He's, you know, he's won a Super Bowl. He's he's kind of just always switched between backup, starter, Super Bowl champ, backup, starter, third string. Right now he's sitting at third string on the depth chart with the team that he's at now. And it's like, I don't know, I think like coaches maybe see something wrong there. And that's why he kind of keeps getting shafted down the line like that. Yeah. So I, I'm going to go Phillip Rivers here. Um, I mean, he was, a, he was a top quarterback coming out of the draft in 2004. And um, obviously, you know, he was drafted by the Giants. Eli drafted by the Chargers. They, you know, draft, they trade. I mean... That was probably the most fair trade ever, but Philip Rivers, he's just he, he needs a Super Bowl. Like my 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 younger self watching Philip Rivers, you know, progress to the NFL and seeing it happen, I just I, he's one of the quarterbacks that I really want to see yeah. get a chip. You know, it just it's got to happen. It, his numbers weren't even that bad last year. I'm looking at his numbers right now. He threw the he played all 16 games. Played 16 games. I think he sat out a week. Uh, oh no, because no, the, the new addition to the week is this year. So no, he played all every game. He had a 68% completion percentage with 4,000 and two, almost 200 yards and 24 touchdowns, and that's not bad considering you have other options on that offense to having Jonathan Taylor, Hines, and they score a lot of touchdowns too. And they, he does have those younger wide receivers. He didn't have uh, Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell was out, yep. so he'll have Paris Campbell, and they still love Paris Campbell. He's gonna. I think I picked him up. You dropped him in fantasy yeah, football, yeah. and I picked him up for my taxi squad. Um, but I think he has a big role to play, and having Michael Pittman, 
uh, they have T.Y., a veteran. So they have a chance to go into the playoffs now making a deep playoff run that's completely up to how healthy their team can be. Um, they do have a lot of injuries, which is what we're going to talk about, how we think their injuries are going to affect certain players in fantasy football and the team, obviously, as a, as a whole. Because um, I think the major injuries is from that offensive line. Um, if you pick up Gardner Minshew, like we talked about, his main problem was that the Jags never had an offensive line. Yeah. And he'd be going to a team that had an offensive line and now has – they always had Jags – somehow got James Robinson to do really good. So they've always had kind of a good running back while he's been there. Um, but I think with their injuries, Jonathan Taylor in fantasy football is probably going to have to fall back a little bit. I think he loses a bit of value. Um, uh, but when you have the guard, the tackle, and the center all out with injuries, and that's like your biggest strength is how good your offensive line is, I think you, you kind of lose that uh, – that ability to run the ball a little bit more. And if they have all these injuries, I think they should just use this year as a test year to, if they don't pick up a veteran like Phillip Rivers to test out their young guys. I mean, you, you use Carson Wentz to see how he's going to do when he comes back. Jonathan Taylor, you kind of already know what he's going to do. Um, you have your young core of wide receivers. You can see how they're going to do, do some different things. I mean, if you're not trying to win, just use this as a year to learn from. And, uh, I know you had the conversation about talking about the offensive line's injuries, so if you want to start going into that, we can discuss their injuries and how it might affect the hey, team. What do you think, Justin? Yeah, um, for the injuries, uh, I see I see the emphasis. I mean, like, a bad offensive line can not only affect the quarterback, but it affects the running back, it affects the receivers, it affects everything. You can't win a game, you can't win a lot of games without a good old line. Um, but seeing as how most of them will be back. I mean, Ryan Kelly is supposed to be back. It could linger, um, but he's supposed to be back by week one. Um, it could affect the, maybe the chemistry, but they were together last year, Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly. Yeah. Um, Quentin Nelson, he just had his surgery. Um, he says he's supposed to be back by week one, but I don't know if I see that because him and Carson Wentz had the same surgery, same uh, timetable for return, and he's saying he's going to be back by week one, but we'll <laughs> see about that. Yeah. Still, um, I don't think it hurts them uh, detrimentally just because they will be back earlier in the season. Now, if they're coming back like week 13 or like week 14, it could already end their season to where they're not going to be back. But Quentin Nelson's supposed to be back in the first half of the year. Ryan Kelly's supposed to be back by week one. Eric Stricker, he's torn his Achilles, but he won't be. Um, I'm not even sure if there's a timetable for him. Yeah. Um, and I think he is a little older of a player. Yeah, it might be yeah. tough for him as an offensive lineman who uses their feet a lot yeah. to come back from something like well, that. Well, they did. I'm pretty sure they picked – he wasn't on the team last year. They picked him up free agency, and he's supposed to come back sometime in the middle of the season. Um, and then – so they had, they had Anthony Constance on – how do you say his last name? Uh, his last name is pretty difficult. Yeah. Cat, 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 cat zone. Catanzaro or something. Yeah. Costanzo. But, yeah, I think yeah, Costanzo. They have, I think uh, they still have him. And, but Darius Leonard, um, he's also another one that – little bit of an injury but they just signed that massive deal for him so I don't think they're worried about that either um, but as for injuries yeah it's gonna hurt him but I think they can recover yeah uh, that's an, that's big thing is offensive line because we all know that if you don't have a quarterback a lot of people think oh if you don't have a, a running back or a quarterback in fantasy the team doesn't have a quarterback they're just gonna keep running the ball so Jonathan Taylor's value should go up but it's like no it's the opposite if a team knows that all you can do is run the ball they're just gonna blitz and yes, 
times they can break big on blitzes because your your gaps open up a little bit easier sometimes with certain types of blitzes. But when you're talking about a dude, like if you're getting blitzed every play because your quarterback is Brett Hundley or it's whoever, if Eason doesn't end up panning out or is, isn't doing as good as we think, like Jonathan Taylor is going to see like his yards, I think, should go down. His attempts should go up, which if it's just good in fantasy football because if you're getting attempts, you get a chance to do good. So I think not having an offensive line, not having a quarterback right now, uh, it really hurts Jonathan Taylor's stock. Now, and if you're doing dynasty, obviously not as bad, but if, in redraft leagues, I think it pretty much hurts him because he was like a projected fifth quarter running back this year. Um, and same that we have Saquon that's having injuries. So, I mean, there's – a lot of injuries are starting to spur up, and we, we just drafted, so a lot of people are getting screwed a little bit with random injuries like this. Um, so we are, you guys uh, talk about, you want to talk about the wide receivers and how a quarterback should affect them? Yeah, so the Colts wide receivers, they've got a very good number of them. You've got Michael Pittman Jr., you've got Zach Paschal, Paris Campbell, T.Y. Hilton. There's plenty of receivers there, especially when we're talking in fantasy terms um, they're all going to be great receivers that you would ideally want to start. Now, I'd be a little bit more weary now considering Carson Wentz dealing with the injury. I think it is something positive to look at, the fact that Jacob Eason does have that elite arm, like Frank Reich says. Um, and if he has that arm that they're saying he has, and he can show those spurts of aggressiveness throwing it down the field, you know, getting his receivers to – utilize their best traits, which yeah. T.Y. Hilton being a speedster, you know, you've got Paris Campbell, who's very aggressive, Michael Pittman, he's got the size to go up and get passes and beat DBs one-on-one over the top. Um, I think it could be good for them, but it's a 50-50 with Jacob Eason. Um, maybe Jacob Eason can't do that. Maybe he can't, you know, in, in a game he can't produce. I mean, there, there's no telling. We haven't seen him in action yet. So, I mean, if you're drafting now, if you're doing a redraft league and you're drafting, I mean, I'd stay away from any of the Colts receivers until about, you know, later rounds, like rounds eight, yeah. nine, and ten. I mean, if they're still sitting there, sure, you know, go out and get them because that's around the time you're going to start getting some bench players. And let's say Jacob Eason does good, well, you just struck on a player. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't take any of them early. I mean, considering the quarterback situation, it might be a little shaky. Yeah. All right, so I guess our ne- next topic, so we could talk about the Hall of Fame game that we just saw on Thursday night. Uh, I, w- I was watched some of the highlights and things, and uh, we can jump right into the Cowboys uh, and their defensive players that you saw that ended up doing really well, and you want to talk about them? Yeah, so um, I, I watched a lot of the film from this game and broke down a lot of things. And the first one I'm going to start with, obviously, for the Cowboys is – their defensive linebacker, um, Micah Parsons, they got in the first round. He was exceptional in his first preseason game. Um, everything I think the Cowboys were wanting to have, and now they have him with Leighton Vander Esk and, um, and Jalen Smith. This is just going to be a nasty linebacker group. I mean, it's, it's going to be insane. Micah Parsons, he had um, he got a recovered fumble. Um, I think it was towards the end of the first quarter. Yeah. And he um, – let me see real quick. One second. Let me see how many. Shouldn't have gotten notifications. <laughs> so he had um, three total tackles. Three of them were solo, throwing that recovered fumble in there. 
Um, there were plenty of plays when I'm watching that wherever the ball was at, he was at. He was always at the point of attack. He was always getting to the ball. He had a knack for putting his nose in the ball and just getting there. Yeah. Um, he was sideline to sideline, I mean, if I could say. Um, he was all over the field, and he was getting in the backfield. He was running down players. He, just, he was showing a lot of effort, showing a lot of hustle. I think that's what the Cowboys were really expecting from him, really wanting from him. Yeah. And I think Micah Parsons, they, they struck big on Micah Parsons. That was a great pickup for them. Um, and at 6'3", 245, I mean, he's just going to be a monster at middle linebacker. I mean, he's going he's gonna to destroy offenses. I mean, he's going to have a great season this year. Um, and then for the Cowboys, they also, they also have another rookie linebacker, Jabril Cox, who played at LSU. Mm -hmm. They got him in the fourth round, I think. Let me see. Yeah, it was the fourth round. Yeah, it was the fourth round. They got him in the fourth round. Cowboys drafted Jabril Cox in the fourth round. And he he had a great game as well. He threw not threw. He had um, five total tackles, four of them being solo. And I don't think he really played much. I mean, he got to get in towards like the end of the game. I saw him playing a little bit towards like the fourth quarter. And I mean, considering he only had a quarter of play and was able to put up five total tackles, I mean, at that rate, yeah. you're looking at 20 tackles in a game, which is insane. Yeah. I mean, that's that's. That's great for a linebacker to have 20 tackles in one game. And to do that with such limited time, I mean, it, it's, it's nice. Another rookie that they had is Nishan Wright. Nishan Wright was a rookie that they drafted out of Oregon State. And he, he had a great game as well. He's, he's a lot bigger. He's 6'4", which you don't really see with corners. Nishan yeah. Wright stands at 6'4". He's 22 years old. Um, he's a young guy, and I mean, this is something they needed was corners, and they struck on him. I mean, in the game, he did let one go deep to Chase Claypool at one point, but he stuck with him the entire time. Chase Claypool is just a freak of a receiver, yeah. so obviously he made that great catch. Um, but a little bit later on, they tried to hit him again deep, thinking that they can, you know, get him again, and this time it didn't work out. It was going towards the end zone. He stayed locked up on that receiver the entire time, got a hand up there and smacked it away, which is great to see from a rookie. Yeah. And considering his size, I mean, if he can pan out, he's going to be able to size up well against some of those bigger receivers in the NFL, and they're not going to be able to body him like they do some of these 5'9 and 5'10 corners. So Nishan Wright could be a great, a great piece for them. Uh, their second-round pick, Kelvin Joseph, also had a great game. He only allowed two catches. I think one was for seven yards and one was for six yards. Then... I mean, obviously, he tackled both the guys that caught those passes, and he made a couple good plays. But all in all, I mean, that second-round pick was he was shutting things down on the defensive side, mm -hmm. um, not really letting many guys get by him, not letting anything big, like, you know, pop off over top of them. He was kind of keeping everything funneled in, only allowing short catches, hawking the guy down, making the tackle. And all in all, I mean, this is what this defense needs. And... I think these rookies are going to be a great piece. And if I had to pick one thing that went right in the game, it was the Dallas Cowboys defensive rookies. Yeah, that was a, that's a big uh, question mark for me because that week one matchup against my Bucks, um, I anticipate the Bucks winning because of how young that defense is. So if they ended up panning out quicker than expected, I, then we might actually have some a good showing for the first game. I think that's the first game of the year. It is, Thursday night football. Uh, so... That'll be a fun game to watch. I'm definitely going to be watching. I have a few people in Sav CeeDee Lamb, Mike Evans, and Tom Brady, and a few of my uh, fantasy football league. So yeah. I'm excited to see how they do. Uh, but my, my big takeaway from the Hall of Fame game was <clears throat> Najee Harris. I mean, he's a pretty basic person to talk about, but the way he ran the ball, I was studying how he 
how he hits the hole, how he, uh, like, after that initial handoff, what what he does, those characteristics he has. If if he's going to be the type of person that likes to read, like a Le'Veon Bell or Derrick Henry, like, and then cut and go, or if he was going to be more towards a Dalvin Cook, who as soon as he that ball snaps, he's hitting that hole. He doesn't care who's in front of it, and then he decides afterwards. And what I saw was it was – it wasn't full on Dalvin Cook because he doesn't hit the hole as fast. But when he catches that ball, he gets that ball from that handoff. It's one decision go, and it, it and which is great when you're talking about someone who uh, gets a lot of yards after contact, like Austin Eckler, who right. I think was leading the league in that. As soon as they get that handoff, they're not worrying about like, oh, is there a hole? They see the first hole, they're making quick decisions, and they're going. And uh, he only ran the ball seven times and got 22 yards, but out of those seven carries, I, as soon as he got hit, he was falling like three or four yards. There's very few times where he got tackled and he didn't gain more yards after he got tackled. So when you're talking about a guy that can get you yards after contact, which is very valuable, uh, because I know me when I had Eckler last year and I picked up his backup, uh, Joshua Kelly. He is really bad at yards after contact. As soon as he gets tack- touched, he's going down. And yeah. that's why he was not a viable pickup for me uh, last year. And ha- having a guy like him going in like the third round in fantasy football leagues who's going to get a lot of attempts this year is extremely valuable. So if you were able to get him um, – I think you're getting a hell of a dude that could be a top 10 running back this year easily um, if he's given the amount of attempts that he should. Um, but I really like the way he played. I'm really excited to see what he does in week one and for the rest of the preseason. Um, but what did you have any takeaways from the Hall of Fame games and players? You yeah, thought? I was going to talk about the Steelers quarterback situation because, um, I mean, later in his career, Ben Roethlisberger has turned into a, uh, a little bit of an injury risk. Uh, I know he was out for a year with that shoulder injury and then uh, here and there, he gets beat up, but he's a pretty tough quarterback, nonetheless. Yeah. Um, but I just want to talk about which quarterbacks look the best and who look the worst. I know there's a lot of hype surrounding Dwayne Haskins when he first got signed uh, to the Steelers. They were like, he's they're gonna fix him. He's gonna be what he was drafted to be. Uh, but that first preseason game kind of showed that he's still the same Dwayne Haskins. I mean, he didn't do bad. He was eight for 13, 54 yards, had a 70 passer rating. But, I mean, that's not very good for preseason. You have Josh Dobbs and Mason Rudolph outplaying you. Yeah. And you were getting hyped up in the preseason. And also through training camp, it's just uh, a little disappointing to see Dwayne Haskins still. He's very inaccurate. If you're watching him, he was missing a lot of easy passes. Yeah, he was. He wasn't getting pass breakups or anything like that. It yeah. It was just kind of like low throws, and he was rushing. And I think he was a little nervous. Like, he didn't have that, that uh, calmness that you need a quarterback. But – um, as for who was the best, uh, I think Josh Dobbs looked great. Uh, he did have the I best agree, pass yeah. rating. Um, Mason Rudolph, he was doing pretty good. Uh, he was 6 for 9, 84 yards, but uh, he did have that fumble. It was yeah. I don't know if that was his fault or if that was a play call. Because it was on the, I don't I know think if I was an end around. Um, yeah. It was supposed to be a handoff. But I don't know if that was a receiver's fault or if that was Mason Han- uh, Rudolph's fault for hanging on, hanging on so long. Yeah. But – um, it was a little bit of a, a mental mistake, it looked like. But either way, I mean, I think you're, uh, if you're choosing your number two guy, I'm going to have to give it to Mason Rudolph just because he did have that. I mean, he has experience as a starter. Yeah. I mean, Josh Dobbs are good. I'm not saying he can't steal it from him. But uh, 
could have been a fluke touchdown. He had it's definitely going to come down to what the next three games look like for them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, that that that's their main competition. I think yeah. those two guys. I don't think Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I think Dwayne Haskins is probably going to get cut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, because you don't like to Unless see that from can, a first round quarterback. I mean, he shouldn't. Yeah. You know. Unless he can turn it around, but. I mean, Which let's he, hope he can. Maybe, hope he can. Yeah, maybe he was nervous. You never know. He could do something. I, I, I mean, I would rather see Dwayne Haskins on the roster than Mason Rudolph, personally. Yeah. I mean, I like Joshua Dobbs. I watched him play in college. I hated playing against him as the Gators. We weren't that good when we played him because um, he's a very good mobile quarterback. Uh, he, he's a funny-looking dude, but he can play football. <laughs> and uh, the touchdown that he threw, I believe it was to Chase Claypool, I, that was, like, what I remember him doing in college, like those – like those, like line throws that, I mean, the corner was there, but the the receiver definitely got got him beat, which helped out a lot. But it was a damn good accurate throw, and uh, me personally, I'd rather see him as the second, just because of his age and you know that he's from the SEC, Tennessee, and I do like him a little bit more than uh, Mason Rudolph. But Mason Rudolph did perform pretty well. And Dwayne Haskins has to show, or else I think he's going to get cut again. And I don't even know if there's going to be another team that would want to pick him up after that. I can't think of a team that would actually need. I mean, that'd be crazy if the Colts pick him up. <laughs> um, but all right, so I think we're now we're going to jump into the Rams situation uh, and their running backs. And do we think Daryl Henderson is a viable number one option uh, until Akers is back? Or do we think they should sign someone who's better than him that's a little bit older and well-known, like a Todd Gurley, Adrian Peterson, Le'Veon, someone like that? Or do we think that they should pick up someone that's a little bit less better, like not as good, but you know, pretty consistent at getting those rushing yards? So I think we can start with you this time yeah. and who you think that they should pick up in the preseason. Um, personally, I do like Daryl Henderson. Um, I think he can serve as their their bell cow. That's how you say it right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't sound right. <laughs> um, but they do need to sign someone for depth, at least. Like a veteran that can – he doesn't seem to have a lot of injury issues because that's just going to hurt them in the long run if they don't sign somebody. I know – I mean, it sounds weird, but Frank Gore is a free agent and uh, he still wants to play. Yeah. So, and he that dude hasn't gotten injured, I don't know, how long, but he seems like he, he's got the durability on that's for sure. Um, Adrian Peterson's out there still, but all in all, I think they should stick with Darren Henderson. He knows the system. Um, he knows how to play in that Sean McVay playbook. So yeah, I think they keep him as a starter, but they do definitely sign someone as a backup uh, just to have a little bit of insurance. Yeah, yeah, because he's they're going to be needing him to do a lot of reps. And wh who do you think they should? pick up or not pick up so I think they should definitely pick somebody up because I don't think anybody after Daryl Henderson is going to be you know really very serviceable to help them out you know when you need to pull him out and give him a breather I don't know if they really have anybody on the depth chart that's gonna be able to get that done that's Xavier Jones and Jake Funk yeah so yeah, that rookie that they picked up this Jake is a Funk, this yeah. is one that I, I mean not many people would really think about but he is still out of free agency and he's just the one that stands off stands out in the sheet to me um, he's the absolute opposite of Daryl Henderson. I would go get TJ Yeldon. I mean, he's an Alabama running back, but for the Jags, he yeah. wasn't the number one guy. He was a number two. He was a receiving back. He was elusive. He's a speedster. He's everything that Daryl Henderson's not. I mean, that'd be a perfect running back to go get. He's got experience in the NFL. 
He could be great on, you know, those passing down situations where you want a guy that comes out of the backfield and goes out on like a bubble route, yeah. dump it off to him, let him go, you know. He can get down the field. He's got good size. I like TJ Yeldon when he was at Alabama. Um, and honestly, like, it just it makes sense. I mean, because if you go out and you get a guy like Todd Gurley, Adrian Peterson, it's just going to be kind of like this battle between them at times because they run the same way, they play the same way. It's just going to cause this not chemistry. You know what I mean? It, it wouldn't be chemistry. It would be. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be good. So, a guy that obviously isn't going to threaten Daryl Henderson, a guy that can maybe be what Daryl Henderson doesn't possess, and I mean that's T.J. Yeldon. It's perfect. Yeah. It, it makes sense. T.J. Yeldon. If I were them, I'd go. I'd go pick up T.J. Yeldon. Just sign him on one or two year deal. You know, nothing too crazy. Yeah. But I mean, he's probably still ready to get back in on a team and. I mean, I think the Rams should give him a call. Yeah, I mean, if they pick up T.J. Yeldon, their backfield will be kind of like how the Colts' backfield is with Hines as the receiving back and Jonathan Taylor as, like, the rusher. Yeah. And I think Dale Henderson has the talent. I know Sean McVay has said he has the talent. His only worry is his if he's going to get injured or not, uh, if he can stay healthy. So if he can stay healthy, he's going to be a great running back this year. And I think in fantasy football, at a flex option, especially if you lost Akers and you picked him up, uh, if if they start questioning signing a big name that could threaten him, hurry up and maybe try to trade him, uh, so you can get some value out of him. Uh, but as of right now, I'm I have him and I'm keeping him, and I think uh, he's going to do pretty well because Sean McVay does a pretty good job at making even bad running backs uh, into viable starters. Um, so I do like the T.J. Yeldon. I did not think of him. I was thinking more of a Frank Gore at the time, but now that you say that, I do think T.J. Yeldon would be better because he does receive the ball and he is a re- he's a third down back. And I think Henderson, first and second down, you know, running the ball and then having yeah. someone that they can dump to um, would help out Matthew Stafford a lot because I've never seen Henderson catch as many balls. I mean, he doesn't have bad hands, I know, but I don't think his specialty is catching the ball. So – Having a route runner like T.J. Yeldon would – and he's not going to cost the team a lot of money. I mean, I think if you sign Todd Gurley or a bigger name like Le'Veon, you're risking spending money that year. That they would you want more money. Yeah, yeah. You, you would save more money by getting Yeldon. He probably would take an extreme pay cut to play. I don't even think he's, – he's, he's a free agent. So yeah. I'm sure he would just want to get on a team to prove himself. And this would be the perfect team to do that um, this year. Um, and then the last, our last subject that we need that we didn't talk about earlier in the show that I, uh, that we wanted to talk about is if Dak is not ready week one, who do we think plays? Um, I, I don't know who wants to go first. You, you want to go, Justin? I, th- I think I'll let you take this one first. And uh, uh, um, well, if I'm deciding on who's going to start for them, I mean, the the AFL paid off. Again, it's it's Garrett Gilbert because yeah. I mean he's looked the best uh, last year. He proved that he can play in yeah. real speed football. Um, so I don't know. He did definitely look the best. Ben Dinucci should just go home. Yeah, um, it's kind know. of a meme now. I don't, I don't, I didn't really. He played them last year as well. Didn't really do much. And yeah, I think they should just uh, let him sit somewhere. I yeah, don't know, dude. <laughs> Cooper Rush is okay. He's serviceable, um, but I think <clears throat> out of all. Garrett Gilbert is probably their best bet. Yeah, I like but, Garrett Gilbert a lot too. But if they could, I would not start any of those. I would definitely probably if I had to go with a, a season like a few games into the season, I'd sign a bet. I don't I, I can't trust Garrett Gilbert to win me a few games. It's hard to trust him, but 
Yeah, I don't know if um, Jerry Jones can do it. He can do it. If if you know, every year the Cowboys believe that they got the best team, and on paper they always normally do. Um, last year was a defensive problem, and also obviously Dak getting injured, and their offensive line as well getting injured, and now having all those offensive linemen back, uh, players that I think should do really well. I'm still questionable about Zeke. Yeah. Obviously, but. Um, I think if the quarterback situation doesn't get fixed and Dak doesn't come back, I think you're going to have another year of a bad Zeke. You're going to have another – I mean, CeeDee Lamb did pretty good without him. Uh, CeeDee yeah. Lamb did really well without him. So having Dak at all would increase his numbers. And you can get CeeDee Lamb pretty late in rounds, so, and you have a chance of becoming a top 15 wide receiver yeah. uh, would be, you know, a great – like if you're getting him in like the sixth, seventh round and him end up being like a fourth-round talent, uh, you can – seriously make a lot of good moves there at that pick but um I do like Garrett Gilbert out a lot better as a second option but then again I don't would want to start him with that team uh that team is has a chance to do really well and having I'd like what they're trying to do with keeping Dak Prescott you know like not trying to force things like letting it come to him and help fix his shoulder injury now yeah. um but if they don't get that figured out I think this is going to be another bad year uh yeah. what do you think Person. Um, out of the three quarterbacks that played on Thursday night for the Dallas Cowboys, I'm just like looking at the stats and I'm appalled by Ben DiNucci. I mean, seven <laughs> completions off of 17 attempts for only 89 yards through an interception, which then makes his passer rating a 33.7. And he got to play for like a full quarter, and that's that, that was the stats he put up. You let him play a full game, <laughs> that dude's going to put up like Nathan Peterman type stats like it's bad like we're talking five interceptions in a game no touchdowns Ben DiNucci guaranteed he's cut and he'll, he'll be gone at the end of preseason when they do the roster cuts down to 53 yeah Ben DiNucci's gone Cooper Rush they'll put him on the practice squad um obviously if Dak is not back and ready Cooper Rush will be the number two I think Garrett Gilbert would go number one they would try and you know ride the wave with Garrett Gilbert he threw 13 passes, completed nine of them for 104 yards, and had a 93.1 passer rating, which is not bad for one quarter of action. No, um, Garrett Gilbert, he had a, he had a good game, and um, he was moving in the pocket good. He had good pocket presence. He was, I mean, he got sacked twice, but I mean, on those two sacks, the pocket was closing. He really, honestly, like, you, you're still sitting in the pocket. You can't just throw it out of bounds, get an intentional grounding. Now you lose it down, back him up. It's you know, so he had to take some of those sacks, couldn't find any receivers. That could have just been because, you know, the backups were in on the offensive line. Yeah, <clears throat> um, but still, I mean, I think Garrett Gilbert, if you give him a full game, I think he could definitely, I mean, in one and a half quarters, I think he played, putting up 104 yards. I mean, yeah, it was backups he was playing against, but, I mean, say he gets a full game, I mean, he could be he pushing could close to 400 passing yards in a game. I mean, Garrett Gilbert, Garrett Gilbert showed that, you know, that kind of stardom when he was with the AFL. I mean, yeah. Orlando Apollos, he led that little eight-game series that they had. He led in passing touchdowns and passing yards in that little league. And so that's why the Cowboys picked him up because obviously he was a he's a good quarterback. He just needs a little bit more time in the NFL, and I think he's kind of getting that. I'd like to see what he does in these next three preseason games because um, if Dak's not ready week one, I would love to see Garrett Gilbert get some play time. Yeah. Yeah. Add to the uh... – Ben DiNucci hate train. Um, his passer rating is 33.7. <laughs> I 
pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> pretty bad. Yeah. And talking about pretty bad, can we talk about the kickers? Yeah. Oh, the yeah. Kickers, the, yeah, the kickers were pretty bad. What happened? <laughs> dude, like the first like five field goals that were kicked, only one was made. Yeah. Sam, one. Sam Sloman. Sam Sloman, yeah, dude. Like, like, what's going on? Wait, I thought the um, – is this for their backup kickers? No, I'm pretty sure Sam Sloman is like well, their thought, kicker. The Greg like Zerline was the kicker for the Dallas Cowboys. I thought the Steelers had uh, Chris Boswell. Yeah, what happened to him? I don't know what they got going on. I think that they I picked think up. They just it. picked up some backup kickers just to kick and see what they can do. Yeah, I don't. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, they lost <laughs> because this the, the Cowboys done. kicker. I thought they had Greg Zerline, like you're saying, but they had this Nizwander, Nizwander guy or whatever his name was. He was punting and kicking and doing kickoffs. He was just doing all the kicking. They had nobody else out there. They had like it was just this one guy I doing if he's all the injured. kicking, and he was doing it like pretty bad. Like, you got one job. Like, I, I get it, being a kicker in the NFL is hard, and I get it, but, like, nothing pisses me off more than when you have one job to kick a ball in the NFL and you miss. And, and like, when it's, when it's short ones, like, I mean, he was missing short kicks. I think there was a 29-yarder that he missed. And I'm like, I mean, that is – you've got to have a 29-yarder. Those are – those are chip. Those are chip shot field goals. Those are extra you, point. You, that's basically an extra point. Yeah, you cannot miss a twenty-nine yard field goal. I mean, I just I don't. That's funny. The thing is with kickers, it's like when you're already good. It's like how do you not stay good? You know what I mean? It's like when you go to practice, what do you do? You just <laughs> kick. You kick field goals. You go over to the corner and you just. Kick by yourself all day. I think you get in your head. I think you get in your it's own head. It's all mental, yeah. Bill, you remember, remember that one game many years ago when the Packers kicked? Uh, they were, I forget, they were kicking like a crap ton of field goals because they couldn't get into the end zone. And Crosby, Mason Crosby, kicked six field goals and made one. And if you, I remember that game. If you, I know exactly what game you're talking about. In that one game, if you had him, he had like negative three points. Imagine yeah. starting your kicker on fantasy football and you look and you're like, Miss field goal, miss field goal, miss field goal. And then he finally makes one, and you're like, yay, my score is no longer negative eight. It's negative five. <laughs> well, it's like, who was that kicker? It was a while back. The Vikings were in the playoffs, and it was his fault as to why they, they didn't get the I thought it was the Bears. The Bears. Who was it? Cody Parkey. Cody no, it wasn't no. Cody. Well, Cody Parkey is another bad one. But uh, there was a kicker. I forget his name. He was for the Vikings. Bailey. It was literally game on was the line. No. Game on the line, and he misses the field goal. And I was like, you got to be yeah, kidding me. Yeah, it was one of those, yeah. It's the one that they called the double one because of me, but I forget the game of the kicker. It wasn't Blair. Blair Walsh's kicker for the Vikings. I'm thinking Kai Forbath, no. but it wasn't Kai Forbath. I know it, it was wasn't some, him. It was somebody else. Wasn't it Bailey? No, 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 no. Bailey, Dan Bailey is a good kicker. Dan Bailey is a good kicker. Let me look up double doing. I have to know. I have to know what his name is. So brief, brief pause here. We have to know the terrible kicker from Minnesota. It was the Vikings. No, the double doink, I just looked up. The double doink was a blocked game-winning field goal attempted by the Chicago Bears' Cardi po- Yeah, it's Cody Parkey. Co- Cody Parkey. Yeah. So what are you talking about, the Vikings? I don't know why he's No, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, there was... Oh, it was... No, I know you're talking about Blair Walsh. It was Blair Walsh. Yeah. You're right. Right here. It says, we missed a chip shot field goal. That's life, says Minnesota Vikings coach Mike Zimmer in the aftermath of his team's heartbreaking loss to Seattle on Sunday. Vikings kicker Blair Walsh had indeed missed a 27-yarder in the final seconds that would have won the game. Blair Walsh, a 27-yard field goal, misses it. They don't win the game, and the Vikings have to walk home and lose the playoffs. That is just – when you're on the sidelines 
and you've played your heart out as like a quarterback to get your team to that point, and you watch a guy like Blair Walsh go out there trotting on out to kick a field goal. It's a 27 yard, it should be a chip shot. Was this in the playoffs? And he, yeah. and he misses, dude. And then he misses, and you're like, what do you do? I don't you're remember just it. sitting there on the sidelines, you're like, you gotta be kidding me. We pay you millions of dollars to do one thing, and you can't kick that field goal. That's a 27 yard field goal that you're about to miss. Like, Oh my gosh. I mean, that's like the quickest thing to get released from a team. I mean, being a kicker, you have the easiest job, but you also have like no room for error whatsoever. You miss one field goal that is like a clutch field goal to win a game, you're gone. Yeah. You're gone. Your team's cutting you the next day. You're done. Like <laughs> when you piss a coach off and you lose a playoff game because you're not being able to kick, you're going to have to find a new job. You're done. Yeah. That was funny. Um, but I think that concludes this episode. I think we've cut it down a little bit more than what we wanted. Yeah. So I think the first one was kind of just kept rolling and rolling with it. <laughs> yeah. So but. the next episode, I think we're going to tackle more fantasy football stuff and our predictions for the next week. But um, that was the end of episode two. So we'll see you guys on the next one. We just hit. Um,